This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, LS Pod fans. It's JR here. Burt's Babes, Hoddle's Heroes, even Decanio's Dozens. We've had some iconic lineups in our history at Swindon, just like the legendary menu at McDonald's. Parkin or Austin, sweet curry or barbecue? Why not get a McNugget share box to enjoy the debates with your mates? And thanks to book delivery, every drop-off could be a home win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points too. No one wants to drop points at home and with tasty rewards to earn, you won't be missing out. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com O'Sullivan Finney a target in the penalty area he's found the young Finney it's 2-0 two goals in a minute Rogers is streaking ahead and he's onside beautiful play that is that what a shot goal post for Shearer goal McLaughlin has it oh deflection and a goal goes to Mitchell I'm very well, thank you. It's great to have you on. If ever there was an example of a new parent trying to avoid parenting duties, then coming on an amateur podcast is probably <laughs> number one. So it's good to have you back, sir. Thank you. No, it's good to be back. Long time. Uh, I'm mainly looking forward to being awake after eight o'clock. The excitement that that brings. And it is a lot of excitement. You know, I, I'm a, I, I go to bed late, but I'm up very, very early. Um, with children and that's what we signed up for I know right I know yeah it's what you got to tell yourself isn't it yeah you you absolutely do because it's true Um, (laughs) so yeah it's it's (laughs) it's absolutely great to have you on and hopefully you'll be back on lots more as the child becomes more tolerable (laughs) (laughs) fingers crossed fingers crossed the pod needs to start in such a sad way Dave Uh, Steve Finney Former Swindon favourite for many, many people of my generation, really, um, who has passed away at the age of just 48. And Stephen, he, of course, played 90 games for Swindon, 22 goals. And he was on this podcast and he was bloody great. Such a nice guy. And 
he was talking from, I think, what was his dining room or his study or whatever. And in the background was a huge frame picture of him celebrating scoring for Swindon at Brentford. And one thing that was for certain, he was so proud of playing for Swindon. And it's just really sad when this sort of news filters, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And that, that really came across in the in the, the interview you did with him. He seemed he held the club in a, in genuine warmth, didn't he? And for quite a ended up being a nomadic career of his. It's it's, it's I guess it's nice that we played such a big part in his life, and he played a big part in well a lot of our, <laughs> a lot of our fans' life. And like it's before my time, but that ninety five ninety six season, I think I've got the dates right. That. It's, it sounds like it's a bit looking back on it and, and reading like the almost folklore about it, it sounds like a bit of a cult hero, a uh, cult hero kind of season. And he was kind of the, the talisman for that because he was never super prolific elsewhere. And I don't think he was ever super prolific before or after that, but he kind of, it seems like he was a real focal point for that year. And obviously the fans took to him and the way that they reacted on, on Saturday and gave him the kind of, send off that he got it shows how how well regarded and well liked he was and it's sad um that he had he uh, he passed away at such a young age i mean I've, I've thought and talked about this quite a bit in the last couple of days and i think you know although you know i think i was just starting year seven at the start of the uh, 95 96 season and as you know a kid growing up i've just really missed that wonderful era of Makari, Ardiles and Hoddle. I started going during the Ardiles era, but I didn't appreciate it. You took it for granted. And suddenly you get relegated from the Premier League and you think to yourself as a kid, oh, we'll be back next season. And then we're relegated again and we lose Fjortoft and it was demoralising and we go down because, you know, the change of structure in the Football League, which meant an extra team got relegated and that was us. And... You you know, you don't think about it in those terms. But what happened in the summer of 95 is we signed this player from Man City and it's probably the last generation where you sign someone from Manchester City and you've never heard of him. And he was pretty much signed to be cover for Wayne Allison and Peter Fawn, I would have said. And he was certainly not expecting to start at Hull City on the opening day of the season. But guess what? Peter Form was injured, as he as he always tended to be. So Finney starts, he scores a goal, and then it just goes from there. And the cult hero status is spot on, because he obviously had his song, One Stephen Finney, Walking in a Finney Wonderland. And as I've really highlighted so many times to the point where I, I feel like sometimes I've been a bit disrespectful to him, between August and December 95, he was an absolute world beater, really. And him and Allison just formed this great partnership. I think he ended 95 with more goals than Wayne Allison. And he looked like he was going to be just the future of Swindon. And then injuries happened and, and he never recovered. And championship level football probably was a bridge too far for him. But he stuck around and he would have stayed for longer. And like so many Swindon careers, they kind of end in a in an unfortunate bitter way um based on how they're told they're going to leave but he he absolutely was so proud of his, his time at Swindon in the 95 96 he is one of the names that instantly springs to mind and 
it was just so good to talk to him uh, a year or so ago. Where, where does Swindon Town stand in your day-to-day? So Saturday, five o'clock comes in, you're looking at your phone, are you looking up the Swindon results? <laughs> it's one of the first things. I look at Newcastle, Man City and, and Swindon. So no, Swindon's, it, it's deep in my heart, mate. It's uh, hard to explain. When you look back at your time at Swindon, but you close your eyes and you sort of, when someone says Swindon Town, what are the things that come to mind immediately? Sun, sun in Sweden, it's so much warmer down there than it is up here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so a change of pace now as we discuss Swindon versus Exeter this weekend. I wish I could sort of go a bit more positive, really. A great standing ovation of a minutes uh, applause for both Finney and Vincent before the game and there was a different lineup really it was quite a few changes for a Bangana starting 11 in goal Jojo Wallacott at the back Akinol de Mayo joined by the new era the new class of Loney's Brandon Cooper and Jake O'Brien uh, Joe Tomlinson made his debut in place of Ellis Iandolo his left wing back with Rob Hunt taking the right side and you had Jordan Lydon filling in the Louis Reed role with Johnny Williams and Ben Gladwood just ahead. And then you had up front Harry McCurdy, of course, and Josh Davison shrugging off his injury from midweek to start. I, I got to be honest, Dave, when I saw this in li- lineup, I was quite happy with it. I'm, I was I was more than happy with um, the logic behind the change. And I'm more than sure people would have been disappointed with the uh, omission of Ellis Iandolo. We didn't know about Dion Conroy, but I was broadly fine with with that 11. Yeah, no, I didn't hate it. Um, excited to see... Um, I, I missed the Crawley game, so he's excited to see Cooper in the flesh for the first time. Tomlinson comes in highly rated. We've got a very busy calendar that we're kind of getting towards halfway through now, and so it makes sense that, um, I guess, Iandolo gets a bit of a rest because he's played a lot this season um a, a, a big run of games um based on his uh background um and I guess the other side of the coin is you're looking at the bench and not entirely sure that there's much else he could have done differently with the lineup with the the injuries and the suspensions that we've got at the minute so I guess yeah I was I was I didn't I didn't hate the uh the lineup that we had I thought the the back the back three back five however you want to describe it looked good but everything forward of that I think was almost out of necessity rather than uh, anything else but as 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 kind of you saw in the game I don't think it was necessarily a bad thing I don't think playing anybody different in those positions would have resulted in much different for the way much of the game went on yeah I'm inclined to agree I think the only real t- talking point was wondering whether Josh Davison was going to be fit because he went off injured. And if I'm honest, if I saw him in the first half, he looked quite strapped and he was limping a fair bit. So I'm not 100% sure that he's operating at 100% at the moment. And But over the 70 minutes Josh Davison played, he, I thought he did really quite well. Yeah, I was, I was very impressed with him. Um, he led the line in a very old-fashioned kind of number nine way but he worked it very well and he kept the the Exeter back line busy which helped create space for um, McCurdy and Williams coming forward to exploit um 
I'd be interested to see. He never really had much of a sniff of goal. Um, so didn't really get to see much of that side of his game. And based on his, his I guess, based on his league record so far and based on some of the like testimonials from the Charlton fans, I'm not sure that's a strength of his per se, but based on the rest of his game, he, he looked like a real asset and he looked really important to the way that we played and I guess the way that we're going to play in the future because we don't have anyone else of that ilk and losing Tyree Simpson kind of makes it stand out even more obvious that we need a bruiser at some point in the lineup. And hopefully Davidson can get over his um, injury because I agree he did look a bit leggy, um, but he can uh, be that person for us for the rest of the season. Man, I run a couple of yards and I look leggy too, so I'm I'm not one to ju- <laughs> to judge are, in any way. You're a professional athlete, though. <laughs> oh, well, you know, no, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, but when you say it like that, Dave, you know, it still it still hurts. It still it still cuts deep. It's still cut- <laughs> the one thing that you know, it, you know, fitness aside, the one thing that is quite obvious to me, and for those who relentlessly criticised Tyree Simpson. I hope they're thinking you don't know what you've got till it's gone because I think it's quite clear that at the moment, Davison and McCurdy are not clicking. They're not on the same wavelength. Am I being harsh here? I mean, it's three games in, but we're you know three games in and it doesn't look like it's improving. Um, I think it's, it's fair to say, I think. They, they definitely don't have the same connection that yeah. Simpson and McCurdy had. Um, and there were a few instances, particularly in the first half, where one could have played the other in uh, for a, a a better chance at goal that they didn't quite uh, just it just didn't happen. Um, yeah, I guess it is it is fair to say um, they just need to work it. In. <laughs> they need to they work do. It they in do, and, it, and then that's not me saying oh, it's never going to work. It's never going to yeah. work ever. But three games in now, and I know you know two and a half if you count the fact that. Um, he went off injured in that first half last week or at the end of the first half last week. I, ju- I just, I want to see better. I mean, the, the case in point is the, the first half effort, which you quite rightly point out that McCurdy head down runs looking for the impossible shot where if he just drags it across the uh, face of the goal and it's a tap in, whether he knew he was there or not, it's good instinct, good relationship to know where your centre forwards are. But let's, let's talk about the first half generally because this was the first time in a while where Swindon didn't get out of the blocks as as well or better than the opposition. I thought Exeter looked the stronger in a game where there, it wasn't particularly threatening, but Exeter were doing their thing more effectively than Swindon, I would say. Would you agree with that? Oh, 100%. Um, first 10 minutes, they, they, they got into the game a lot quicker than we did. They were, moved the ball around better than we did, and we struggled to really find our feet. I guess, luckily for us at that point, they didn't. Exeter didn't really turn much of that uh, that possession and um, positioning in our half into much in the way of a threat at goal. Um, that didn't come until later, and I think there were other factors that we <laughs> we contributed to that ourselves in some extent. Um, but then I think after after ten minutes or so, once we started to settle down and once we started to exploit. Um, the longer kind of balls, which are a bit out of the ordinary um, for a Ben Garner side, but we 
we started to kind of not hoof it, but get the ball forward quickly and get the ball forward quickly into wide areas and try and drag their centre backs across. Uh, in particularly um, Pierce Sweeney, who based on based on his performance yesterday, I think we dodged a bullet with what happened in the summer. Um, and we started to get a bit more a bit more control into the game. I felt I felt and. But again, saying that didn't <laughs> didn't materialise in the way of chances. There was the McCurdy one you mentioned, and Tomlinson had um, well, it looked like a good chance from my angle in the Don Rogers stand. Um, it might not have been as good as it looked, but they're the only two real moments that stand out of what otherwise felt like a, a fairly even half. I think if you look at it over the over the course of the full forty five and. I think as as I think it was Terry put it, uh, two two good teams playing badly, uh, which I think sums it up quite well. I think so. I think that was where I was going to next. It was like this is the second time we played Exeter in recent history, and we've all been really excited about it. Good turnout, always good to see away fans in the Stratton Bank because it means they've turned up. And, you know, without wanting to blame the weather for the second year running, you sort of get there, you're looking forward to it. And then it's it's like when you go and see like a heavyweight boxing match, you always think they're going to like absolutely rip each other to part for, for 12 rounds or whatever. And they're just dapping each other's gloves, you know, and yeah. hugging people. And it was a bit like that um, yesterday. A lot of, you know, passing around, but no real, no real threat from either side in that first half. And I, I definitely at half time was told to make a bet. I probably would have said it probably stay nil nil for the rest of the game as as it was playing out. One thing bef- before I forget to mention it: that a lot of people are talking about the new loan players bedding in O'Brien, Cooper, Tomlinson, and Davison. Individually, I think they're some of our stronger players, which is which is odd to sort of hit when I read that they well, they need to bed in these guys like Cooper. He's bedded in. I'm Cooper and O'Brien. They're fine. Tomlinson looked fine. Davison looks like he's doing his thing. I guess it's about getting them used to the rest of the squad. But, I mean, they are doing okay, aren't they? I mean, those players were not our weakest links in, in any recent games. No, I thought the the back line played well um, yeah. for the most part. I think I've been impressed with O'Brien since he's come in. Getting better from his first, definitely. You can see the yeah. integration, take, well, going away from under-23s football, and now he's he's definitely more used to it, um, which is great to see. Yeah, he's definitely improved. And Cooper, from the start, has looked very composed. Yeah, Cooper has reminded me a lot of um, Jack Stevens when he signed, just in the way he like, kind of carries himself and reads the play well. I mean... I mean, we'll come on to it in the second half, but he, he he didn't quite do that for for one notable event in the second half. But generally, he looked good, and I thought Tomlinson played really well um, as well. I think um, Iandela will have a bit of a battle on to get that left back place um, back from him. To be honest, if he can maintain that level of performance that he put in on on Saturday, I guess the only the only loanee who really hasn't shown anything yet is um, Louis Barry, and so. Some of that, I think, is the circumstances in which he's found himself on the pitch. But at the same time, he's I guess he does need to work his way in somehow, some way. Um, time will tell, I guess. Yeah, Louis Barry's coming in and I think we're expecting a lot of him in the minutes that he's getting and it's just not playing out that way. Um, but time will tell. I mean, that was his fourth professional 
game this season. Yeah. You know? So he also needs time too. So, you know, I think I think before the goal, the game was continuing to play out in the same manner, wasn't it? It, it was still, yeah. it just needed that moment of excellence or <laughs> moment where something would happen. And luckily it did. Tomlinson was very, very good in that first hour. And it was good to see some, especially in the first half, some threatening set pieces. Yeah, his, his delivery was um, incredible. And I, to be fair, I didn't know he was right-footed because some of the balls that he put in with his left foot were <laughs> top quality as well. Um, I, yeah, I agree. First half was much of the same in the second half. But it did feel, as the goal was coming, it did feel like we were slightly getting on top. I think... Um, there was that chance McCurdy kind of fashioned for himself in kind of the way that he does. Yeah. And that, that was the same. And that was, I think that was only a few minutes before the goal and it got, it got the crowd going a bit. And when the goal came, it was, it was a well-worked goal. It was a good, good passing uh, build-up move on the left-hand side. Um, Tomlinson did well to find the space in the area. I don't think the, um, the Exeter defence covered themselves in glory for it, but he got into the spot and it was a very good finish uh, on his left peg into the into the corner of the goal. Um, and I mean, I, I, th- I don't think we were clearing away the best team on the match, but I think we were edging it at that point. And I think we were fair shout to be to be one nil ahead at that point. Yeah, I don't think it was. Uh, I, I spoke to a couple of Exeter City fans after the game on the train and they were quite complimentary of Swindon, to be honest, which is always so funny when you sort of hear the mild anarchy in the stands and the away fans are like, oh, actually, I actually thought you were right. You know, it's good to see a team <laughs> yeah. playing it across and we're like, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's the perspective, isn't it? But we were just so fixated on our own misery that, you know, people that could easily say, oh, you were rubbish, were going, oh, yeah, it was, it was interesting to see. You kept doing it, but... Yeah, and and it was we scored in the fifty eighth minute. Great finish, and this is this is where the main criticism, or one of the main criticisms of Bengana's Swindon or Swindon of this season, and that's we don't we kind of we're kind of content with that goal as opposed to going for them, getting that second, getting that third. It, it just went it reverted back to the first half essentially. Yeah, yeah. I think we we had a corner shortly after, I think, and again, got a bit of noise from the crowd. But yeah, it did revert kind of back to type. But I'm not, again, I'm not sure I felt particularly in trouble at that point. I think where where the second half turned was um, Davison and Leiden going off so quickly back to back and we just lost all shape and everything that we were doing... <sighs> well slash competently just fell apart and Exeter got more and more and more into it and I mean looking back with hindsight maybe but it 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 felt like the goal that their equaliser was coming when it did come because they had they started they they started to fashion chances and I can't I think it was the the guy who scored the first goal but he had a shot from long range which Wallacott did well to tip over the bar and they were just overrunning us in midfield I think we'd got ourselves into a situation where we'd lost Davison as the outlet but we hadn't particularly changed the way we were playing so we were still trying to get the ball forward quickly but um, Barry just 
wasn't able to to maintain it and that's not a particularly a criticism of him it's just where he is in terms of his integration into the squad and as a professional footballer I guess in some expense, uh, uh, respects like we said and so the ball just kept bouncing back to us and then I think also the double whammy is then losing losing Leiden is that we lose a the energy that he gave to that midfield three because Gladwin and Williams both looked very leggy and weren't able to get around the pitch as well as they can and probably needed to and we also missed Leiden's kind of defensive um his def- defensive mindedness probably the wrong word but his ability to just mop up balls in front of the defense um Iandolo came on he played some nice passes when he got the ball to him but he was he was missing basically he wasn't acting as the shield for the, for the back line and that meant that that combination of those three factors meant that Exeter could kind of just pick us apart so quickly on the break. And that's how their goals, that's how both their goals came around. Um, and we we had no response to it. And part of that, I think, is the just as we were saying, there's, there wasn't much change we could do from the bench. We kind of, with all the injuries, the suspensions, we've got, I, I think all the cards we could play were pretty much played. Maybe... Maybe bringing on a fresher pair of legs in in midfield for Williams or or Gladwin might have helped, but I was kind of grasping a bit there. Um, <laughs> Do you? I've got yeah. a bad. I got a bad feeling about Leiden's injury because he went down twice, didn't he? Um, it was yeah. So mm. I listened to Garner on the listened to Garner's interview in the car on the way back, and he said that Leiden had uh, someone studs went down his leg, and he had a dead leg, but watching the highlights again and he goes down with no contact whatsoever and given his his history and his background you do fear the worst of it don't you if you're Alison Willits the town physio having to run on twice are you like oh for yeah <laughs> or is that because I'm not a professional professional sports scientist <laughs> just can he just can he just limp off and I'll go around in a minute <laughs> she was a consummate pro of course and ran instantly to his aid but oh man twice in a couple of minutes I'm like come on Jordan come on <laughs> what about Ryan East instead of Ellis Iandolo Ellis Iandolo didn't really do anything wrong I think he probably did what he was supposed to do to a degree. I, I really take your point on the fact that we did lose that sort of wall, that person that is experienced in that defensive midfield position. And he's probably played there previously, but probably in desperate times. We we have Ryan East who can do that job. Why is he not coming on? Um, yeah, I guess trying to experience, I guess. I am the lose a lot more, what is it, 100 odd? Hundred odd games, Brian East. I'm not not a hundred games. No, not no. <laughs> hundred minutes, maybe. Um, I think Iron Do's probably a bit more physical. He he seems a bit bigger, but uh, yeah, I agree with you. It's, you've got a guy whose out and out position is to be uh, a defensive minded central midfielder. You need one of those on the pitch. You've put in a utility man instead. Is that is that the right thing to do? Um, Maybe it wasn't. I think that's a fair shout. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't long ago when I, I think Ryan East was maybe ahead of Jordan Lydon in the pecking order. So, you know, surely um, your faith in Ryan East 
has maintained you know but we've but who knows um what we do know is the last six minutes were bloody awful for Swindon fans it looked like a great time for Exeter fans backing off and a nice finish for the equalizer by Giovanni Brown and one thing that was quite noticeable in those four minutes between goal one and goal two is Exeter weren't content on the draw I've seen many a game at the county ground where they've got their they've got their goal right that's just let's bring on I know they didn't have subs available but you know let's bring on Jonathan Grounds and just see it out or, or what have you but they looked looked like they wanted to win the game which is admirable and it worked for them and it happened in the most unfortunate of circumstances watching from my position in the Don Rogers on the side of that goal it looked like he was either Jojo was either wrong footed or or couldn't see it it's quite clear that he could see it but maybe the most fraction of, of a deflection when the ball goes under Cooper, which has completely wrong-footed it. I mean, Steve Hale, former goalkeeping coach of Swindon, has leapt to the defence of Jojo, who didn't have a great game, regardless of that goal this weekend. It's it's just the worst way to concede a winner in that in that sort of P-roller going at one mile per hour sort of winner. It was it was oh just so infuriating. Yeah, a bit gutting, wasn't it? I I did I've to be fair, I've <laughs> I am not like that guy on, on, on Newsnight in the week who tried going against the experts. I'm not trying doing that to Steve Hale, but <laughs> it didn't look like it took a deflection to me. No, no <laughs> I've watched it, it. Like it took a deflection to me on the highlights either. I've watched it a million times and I'm trying to see because we're all pro Jojo on this pod, we're just <laughs> desperately trying to see a couple of centimetres of deviation. And it doesn't seem to happen. If anything, it slows down. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no, no it, it's, there, were, there were a few moments in this game for Jojo where there was definitely one in the first half which people around me were going absolutely spare. Jojo could have thrown the ball to Johnny Williams and had he done that, he was away. And it would have been, you know, two on two or two on one or something like that. But he just didn't see it. It happens. I'm quite a few feet above him, so I can see it and we could all see it. But if he just turned, he would have been away. And it was such a shame. A few kick in. I, I, I do wonder whether there's a there's a post AFCON thing with Jojo. I've said it before on the pod. What Ghana went through in the last couple of weeks it's a national humiliation for them in terms of football. Heaven knows we've had our fair share as England supporters. And you got to wonder like how much of an impact that can have on you. He's come back. He's been fine, but he's not been the same. And having previously been scarred by the 2015 season when, when Luongo and Kasim went and came back and they just weren't quite what they were before, I do fear that, but hopefully he'll dust himself off, as they say, and and oh, go again. <laughs> yeah, he has to really. Yes, he does. He's very, <laughs> he's very important to the way that to the way that Garda wants us to play because Lewis Ward is a fine backup lower league two goalkeeper, but he just doesn't have the ability with the ball at his feet that Wallacott does, and so we're not as effective when he's getting the ball. I think you're probably right to be a bit nervous about um, 
how Wallacott will come back and how he's doing. Because, it, I mean, I didn't, I, I, I hold my hands up, I didn't watch any of his performances in the Africa Cup of Nations, but I did see on Twitter sometimes, and it seems that the Ghana fans never, 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 never quite fully took to him in quite a lot of ways. And that's got a, it's got to weigh heavily on your mind and going from having quite a, a good first couple of months of the season with Swindon and being confident and secure in your position and playing well in a team that is top of the table and then going away to a continental tournament that's being watched by millions, well, I'm guessing hundreds of millions of maybe even billions of people and then it not going well, it's got to, you've, you've got to be quite mentally strong, I think, to be able to deal with that. And I'm not saying that Jojo Wallacott isn't mentally strong to be able to deal with that, but you'd understand if it took a bit of a toll on him and if it took him a, a while to get back to the same level of form that he showed at the start of the season. And I just hope that, I, yeah, I just I hope that he does. Hope that he does. Absolutely, and I'm sure he will. Before we go into listeners' contributions, can we just acknowledge that, you know, for all the fury that Swindon fans felt in the final minutes and, and post-match, probably the best performance by a Drysdale on the county ground pitch ever. And that was the official who was fine. We can't even point our fingers at the at the referee who did a pretty good job. Was it Darren Drysdale? It was. That's is that the is that the fighting ref? Yes, it was. Yeah, the um the 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 face to face with um was it Alan Judge of Ips? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That'll be that'll be why um, McCurdy was probably a bit quieter than normal. Uh, it? <laughs> yes, it was. It was a good game. It's annoying, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Try and get a meaningful attack going. Williams inside the Exeter half, right on the left-hand side to Tomlinson, who's nipped inside him, fed up towards Davison here. Tomlinson's continued a little run into the box, but Swindon have it out wide left with McCurdy. McCurdy looks up the space for Tomlinson inside the area to shoot and score on his debut! Okay, time for listeners' contributions now. Lots to go through, so big thanks to those who sent stuff in, starting with CJ69, who says, the board chose not to clear the embargo with the Man City money, so we are where we are. Largely an under-23 team with an under-23 coach who are all learning and making mistakes. Such a waste of momentum and positivity from the first half of the season. Rob in Denmark says, too naive, unfortunately, cost us again. Injuries obviously didn't help, but we really need to be doing better at controlling games. Maybe we've just been sussed. Oh, well, it's Swindon Town. Paul Temple says, not a second ball in sight. Lack of physicality rears its ugly head again, along with the forward shouts. Tomlinson, man of the match, and a goal on his debut. He actually won a few tackles as well. Jeremy Randall says, disappointing end to a good game. Nice to play opponents who want to play football rather than try to avoid any being played. Leiden's injury and Davison having to go off, presumably not ready for 90 minutes after the hamstring issue, changed the game. He should have replaced Williams after 75 minutes as it was clear then we needed someone else to tighten things up up alongside Iandolo. Also, some poor defending on the goals conceded, weak defensive headers and failed to close down the men on the edge of the box. Man of the match, Tomlinson, impressive debut and a well-taken 
goal. We clearly miss Reed via his daft suspension and Jack Payne, who will hopefully be fit soon. While Rob Hunt is a good right back, he carries less attacking threat than our Kess. Too early to panic, the new players are still settling in. Despite a mid-season rebuild, we are still only one point off the playoffs and five off the autos with a lot of games to go. Tom Jenkins says, plenty of positives. Cooper, great on the ball. O'Brien, imperious. Davison, sharp. Tomlinson, an absolute baller and my man of the match. Unfortunately, another lesson in game management and the Gladwin-Williams energy levels ran out and a couple of defensive slips came at the wrong time. Joe Rogers simply says, we have no idea how to see out a game. Well, Muttley says, sack Garner, one win in seven in all competitions and two wins in our last 11 league games is unacceptable. Dean McMackin simply says, Neil Evans says, love Tomlinson and Cooper. On today, Tomlinson was almost faultless. Luke says, looking like the first part of the season when we struggled for goals, if we were scoring two or three, we could get away with the mistakes. Such a shame. The Modfather 79 is too fuming to talk about this. While West Coast Wizard says, Primark Bristol, somewhat less frustrating a day out than expected. We'll be back on the 12th. Need a timeout. David James Bond says, beaten by the better team. Simple. Musher 999 says, time to replace Ghana and Gladwin. John Stones gives Joe Tomlinson man of the match. And M. Stewart says, Johnny Williams, for all his quality, is putting us under pressure with the diving and putting us a man down. It needs to stop. Total lack of edge up top, though. Davison did okay when on. Ryan Clifford says, my usual Ghana ball doesn't work at home comments with visual evidence this time. And I think he shows me the home games table with Swindon lying in 17th place with three wins, seven draws and four losses in the 14 home games. Dean Morgan says, thought it was Conroy's fault. We're still missing pain. Stevie says, it was clear at 1-0 that a change was required. Ghana came up short today. Neil McLaughlin says, an awful lot of... At the back of the Don Rogers upper three today, all big and tough to the 18-year-old steward. Man of the match, O'Brien. Craig Clark says, we're just not ruthless enough to put games to bed. Jojo not with it. William spent most of the game on his backside. We look every bit a mid-table team at the moment. Man of the match, Tomlinson or O'Brien. Philip Holloway says, we are supreme at switching off at key moments no matter what personnel we select. This was the day hopefully all supporters realise that promotion is not possible this season. Morfuni has some decisions to make if he wants to see this many people returning to the ground. James Fraser says, trying to be Barcelona in League 2 and talking too much about the process, whatever that is, is never going to end well. Missing Simpson so much. Patrick Parkin says, just boring, isn't it? 10k, one up and still no buzz. We're missing an opportunity this year to galvanise the fan base. The appointment is suddenly looking like a really poor one. Stuart Cole gives man of the match to Tomlinson, but he goes on to say, I actually thought Gladwin played well today. Am I on my own with that one? Cooper decent as well. We need to start going for the jugular. Subin Davison was an odd decision unless he was injured, of course. 
James Wood says, game completely mismanaged for the last half hour. Shouldn't have brought Davison off. Needed an outlet to hold the ball up top. Gladwin frustrating. They all look to him to get things going. But when he's having an off game, he's really off. Tomlinson looked decent. Zoe says, Tomlinson, man of the match, without a doubt. Even before his goal, I was impressed with him. Bernie Man says, we need to find our ruthless side, need some of the more experienced players to get hold of games like that and manage them better. Sometimes we are too nice. Tomlinson looks like a great addition and man of the match. On the whole, another disappointing outing. We need to turn a corner quickly. Paul Merriman says it was more difficult to throw that away, yet we somehow managed it. Last 15 minutes were completely baffling. No sharp passing, no moving into space, no game management. Barry might be a good footballer, but he's very lightweight. Man of the match, Tomlinson, fantastic contribution. And we are missing Reed and Payne massively in midfield. Hope Payne is good for Tuesday. Jack Tanner says, must win is an overused cliche in football, but... Tuesday kind of is, isn't it? Pete Marsh says, man of the match to Cooper. Otherwise, Tomlinson until he scored. The town had no Reed, no pain, no Conroy available. And once Davison and Leiden had to go off, the town were outgunned. Exeter had a strong bench. Swindon had to sub for injuries, not for tactics. Perspective is needed. AD Mail says, just need to get some fitness into these guys to work as a team. Depends on your expectations to how you think the performance was. Think we are in a sticky patch, but hopefully we'll come through. Man of the match, Tomlinson. Red Dave also gives Tomlinson man of the match, but says, taking Davison off for Barry made no sense. I love McCurdy, but it should have been him who made way. Someone needs to tell Barry this is a men's League Two football match, not Junior 7 aside. If we lose on Tuesday, Ghana has to start coming under some pressure. Simon Gerling says, only having one proper centre forward kills us. Had no clue and or presence after Davison went off. Tomlinson, an easy man of the match, but unless we learn how to kill teams off, we have no chance. Paul D says, should have seen that out, but we lost three good players who were crucial to how we play in January. While we've replaced well, we'll obviously take them time to bed in and existing players to get used to them. Makes a busy February even more annoying. Need more time training together to gel. Not to mention Payne being out injured for most of the last month. Again, crucial to how we play. Wardy S says, Man of the match, Tomlinson looked very good. Lack of strength in depth really showed when forced into substitutions. No holding midfield or muscle up front to replace players. Hope I'm wrong, but mid-table finish this season. And finally, Jamie, who says, we need a big man up top at all times. As soon as Davison went off, it all went wrong. Man of the match, Tomlinson, but Davison and Cooper came close for me. Okay, then. So, Dave, they're getting a little bit angrier, the Swindon Collective. Several comments there really pointing the finger at Ben Garner, highlighting the run of form Swindon are in. Two wins in 10 in the league, I think that is, isn't it? I think um, Northampton and Port Vale are the only games we've won in the last 10 league fixtures. It's a really weird and tough and understandable argument that people are having. I think the UK, England, whatever, has just as an obsession with sacking managers as we do with transfers. 
at the first sign of problems or a rocky, turbulent run of form, we're calling for wholesale changes. Because if you get rid of Ben Garner, you get rid of Scott Marshall, you get rid of Lindsay, Scott Lindsay, and then you start again. And there's no guarantee that there's a new manager honeymoon period. There's no guarantee that the players will take to the new boss. There's no guarantees of anything. Of course, it could work, but it doesn't feel like this is the time. No, and I'd agree with that. But I think it is fair to start questioning. um, Two wins in. I made it 11 points from the last 33 points available that we've got, which extrapolated over 46 games normally gets you relegated and we had a very good start to the season and we're obviously in no danger of that but I think it's 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 understandable that people are starting to question the management and I don't think I should say I think um I think a lot of the comment would be toned down a little bit if our home and away form was reversed I think a large part of the anger that you see and you hear is because only about 10-20% of Swindon fans are actually seeing the good Swindon town and the rest of us are seeing the dross that they kind of serve up at home every other week mm-hmm. yeah we were never going to have 46 games with everybody holding hands singing kumbaya and saying we've got our club back you know, because yeah. football would be boring and sterile if we couldn't have a little moan and say it how we believe it, it is, right? Yeah. And and the, the fans, despite our home form, which is what, three wins at home this season? Something yeah, like that? Yeah, yeah. We're still, wins, yeah. you know, we're still turning up in, in numbers that are much better, much stronger than some of our opponents in this division. 10,000 propped up by Exeter fans, but it was in the 9,000s as Swindon supporters. You know, we're turning up, we're doing our bit. But at the same time, it's just too soon. And I just don't think anything can come of it right now. And then we're just making excuses for the new person to, well, they've got to build their squad in the summer. And then we just, we start the same old merry-go-round again and again and again. And it's just not healthy. No, I kind of see it as... (sighs) So... It's a difficult argument because there's so many ways you can look at it, and I, it's not that some are unvalid. There's not a, it's, you're almost in a position where there's not really a right or wrong answer. But kind of, the way I kind of see it is we we getting through from where we were in July to where we were in November was a huge achievement by the the management staff, the coaching staff, the players everyone behind the scenes and get into that position. You can't take that away from Ben Garner and, and his coaching staff and they deserve every credit for that. And I think that that credit that they've built up for that period earns them the right to turn this, try and turn this ship around that we're in now because we've got what 48, whatever, however many points we've got on the board, they're all valid points and an away win is worth just as much as a home win. So we, we, he has shown that he can get his side to play well. And I think he's earned the trust to be able to turn that, uh, to be able to continue to show that for, for the rest of the season. I don't agree with, well, the, the, the kind of the point of view of, well, we, 
we nearly went bankrupt. We like Melksham away in preseason was nearly our last ever game, so we should just be happy we're here. It's we've shown that we can we've we've kind of avoided the worst case scenario in a way, and that's great and that's fine. But where does the ambition end? Like where is that if is that the ambition that this club should have going forward. I know that there's a load of skeletons in the closet that still need to be worked through and maybe I'm not fully appreciating them and how big a factor they should be in the decision-making that we have. But by the same token, you look back three months ago and we were third with an eye on top and now we're eighth trying to hang on with the coattails of the playoffs and it feels like we're heading through an opportunity lost. And I think... Garner's, if you are going to level the label the biggest criticism at it, it's that he's not shown an ability in this run of form, which it's gone. It's gone on for like you say, ten, eleven games now. It's not a recent thing. He's not shown an either a, a willingness or an ability. I'm not sure whether where where you where you pitch that line, but to to change things, to try and do things differently, to try and whether it's a a formation or a, or a, or a style of play or whatever it's everything we're set up to go out every week and go right we're Swindon Town this is the way we play we don't care what you're going to do we're going to keep doing this same thing xyz and we trust that we'll be good enough to beat you and what we're finding out is that clubs uh, opposition teams are wising up to that and we're finding it harder to go out there and beat them and the test of a manager is to be able to respond and adapt to that. The test of a first-team coach and a manager of a league club is to respond and adapt to that. Where I'm, I guess, in the back of my mind is concerned is given Garner's background and what his approach to football is, is that he might not see things in that way. <laughs> his his background is academy coaching and academy coaching is all about building the foundations up of young players and that doesn't necessarily mean that you teach them the the dark arts or to to grind things out or to handle a difficult playing scenario but that's the stuff you need to be able to succeed in a lower league football division <laughs> and I don't know, I guess I'm kind of rambling around in a way but I guess Garner's done very well and he has achieved things and we should recognise those, even in the short space of time that he's been in charge. But the current trajectory is not a good one and he's he's earned the right to show that he can turn it around. But I guess in the back of my head, I've got doubts as whether he will, I guess. Mm, yeah, I think they're all fair points and, and well, well put. I, I, I think opposition scouts don't need to put any money in for petrol. We all know what Swindon are going to present on a match day. I just don't think we are the toughest team to figure out. And now we're coming into the second round of fixtures. Appreciate Exeter was the first time we played them this season. I just think we're, we're just easy. We just, we just Swindon will give you a chance. If you take it, then, you know, we, we don't really, we don't fight back or we're not that very, we're not that aggressive. We, you know, we run our mouths, we do. We we love picking up bookings for for, for dissent, but we're we're not aggressive enough um, for whatever reason. And, and at an absolute two dimensional level, I just think Huddersfield, to a lesser degree, Aston Villa, and and especially Ipswich Town have done us dirty. And losing 
Critchlow, losing Simpson and losing Kessler Hayden, who from early signs seems to be much better standard of play than what we've got from Barry, different positions, different circumstances, sure. But I don't think we, we can underestimate just how big those losses will be. Yeah, and that's that's another fair point. And there are, I guess there are mitigating factors to how we're doing currently. And it's going to be difficult to overcome overcome the loss of those kind of level of players, isn't it? Going on your point about Swindon will always get a chance. I was looking at before this, and I think the last clean sheet we kept was that Forest Green game on telly. It was Stevenage, and before that, it was it was it's we, we've only had two um, in that time. So we've since Forest Green, um, yeah, it, it, we we don't keep clean sheets, and I just think although we can be quite solid and we can be very impressive and we can be very entertaining on the eye, we always give the opposition a chance, whether they take it or not. Is is you know really um, dependent on them, but they are taking their chances more and more and more and we're struggling to get back in. I mean, there was no urgency and that sort of stuff has got to change, but we'll, we'll move on because, you know, time is ticking. <laughs> um, Tomlinson got man of the match from the supporters and I would say that's probably rightly so, isn't it? Yeah, I can't argue with that one bit. I thought he looked a cut above. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, well, oh, well, oh, well. So, here we go then. Next game, second place, Tramier. We've won every game up there in the last five. So the good times are coming back. Oh, wow. That's that's an impressive start. I did not know that. Yeah. Um, we, that includes the, the night Picaretta looked after us, I think, as well. So there's been big gaps in that. But we, we, we are a bit of a bogey side for Tramier. And I hope... That's oh, impressive. God, I really yeah. hope that continues. I just saw Tuesday night game, Northwest. Wrote it off. <laughs> maybe I was being too harsh. Um, well, if if a result in tw- two thousand and nine is a factor behind our potential performance on Tuesday, <laughs> then you, you may be right. <laughs> you may be wrong. Who knows? But we just a, a positive result, so we can go to. Well, we can we can welcome Scunthorpe, who are in the bottom two, to Swindon and not be nervous we don't want to go into Scunthorpe as a collective fan base stressed and getting on the the team's backs because we haven't won in whatever we we a positive result at Tramier would go down really really nicely and then hopefully we can kick on again but if we don't beat Tramier or we we lose then Scunthorpe despite their lowly position becomes quite a stressful fixture in my mind yep if we if we don't get a result against Scunthorpe and Anthony Grant has any kind of decent game, I'm I'm turning off um, Twitter for good. I think I, the, <laughs> the fallout from that is going to be horrific. Not going to happen. We're all right. Don't worry about it. Dave, this has been one of the saddest. <laughs> this has been one of the saddest pods we've done in a while for various reasons. <laughs> it's good to be back. It's good to have you back, and I think we'll leave it at that. Dave, thank you very much. No, thank you. The Low Strangers is an independent podcast. Views given do not reflect those of Swindon Town Football Club. The music is provided by the great Matthew Kilford and the podcast artwork is by Matt in Singapore. Thanks for listening. Come on, Swindon. Hi, Ellis Pod fans, it's JR here. If Swindon players were McDonald's items, who would they be? We've had lots of Big Macs like the legendary Alan McLaughlin, Harry McCurdy, 
or even Steve McMahon. Perhaps you'd prefer to channel the power of McPlant like Darren Ward, or maybe five chicken selects, one to enjoy for each time Ben Gladwin joined. Yep, there's one spare, but there's still time. And you don't need super scouts or data solutions to get your hands on any of these. McDelivery through the McDonald's app brings them all to you. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 